there and welcome to the Little Yarrow podcast. My name is Kate, I'm a naturopath and postpartum doula here to share with you ancient wisdom for modern mothers. Hi everyone and welcome to the Little Yarrow podcast. I'm very excited today to have a special guest here, Miranda Miles. Hello Miranda. Hello Kate, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Would you like to start off by introducing yourself? Yes, so I'm Miranda Miles and I am a naturopath and I have a uh, master's in acupuncture as well and I'm a lecturer in nutrition and nutritional biochemistry and I have a beautiful clinic in Melbourne called The Fertile Project and we love to support women trying to conceive no matter how they're trying to conceive whether it's via ART, IVF, donor egg IVF or of course beautiful natural conception um, and so that yeah that's what I love doing and and, um, and a little bit about me. Yeah awesome and for those that don't know Miranda was actually one of my lecturers a long time mm-hmm. ago now I think probably 2011 and I always remember yes. I, haven't said this, I haven't said this to you Miranda <laughs> but I always remember <laughs> on one of my final exams I was actually in very early pregnancy with my first son and I remember had an exam and I was running late because I felt so horrible and sick and um, I remember I emailed you and you were so nice about it saying don't worry and you're so accommodating and I remember our class was always like a really late it was like a night class and I used to hate the night classes but I always Mm. loved your class I was like I always (laughs) went I never skipped out Um, because you're you're such a wealth of knowledge but you also used to make because it was nutritional biochemistry which is a pretty intense subject but you always made it so like fun and interesting and that's what I love about your work that you could basically make any topic interesting (laughs) um and so yeah I really love like um yeah like learning like I'm still even though you know a long time since I graduated I'm still learning from you and I'm just really grateful that you're here and I really wanted to chat about this topic with you today because I feel like IVF you know we've come such a long way now with you know amazing advances in fertility and growing awareness but I still feel like I still feel like we have a long way to go in terms of supporting women through this and just Mm. the stigma that's still there. And I feel like it's still a topic that really needs a lot more attention. Mm, mm, I agree. Thank, thank you, Kate, for everything you've just said. That's been lovely. <laughs> That's okay. you were, we're one of my favourite students, and I, I have it. I have several favourites, but you were certainly <laughs> one of them. Um, I um. So just on that, yes, I couldn't agree more. I think so. I've, as you know, I've been through my own IVF process, and um, it was. That was sort of, uh, you know, 10 years ago and back then it was quite daunting and I'm not sure that it's actually changed very much now for women and the the kind of the lack of um, information that they get about what the process is actually going to be like Mm. Um, and and that creates such anxiety going into it, which of course is one of the worst things that we could have a woman with anxiety as she's trying to conceive. Um, I think for me, when I first did my very first round of IVF, I remember that I, when I made that decision, I felt this enormous relief mm. that somebody was going to make this work for me, right? Somebody was going to take over and they were going to get me pregnant and I didn't have to think about it anymore because yeah. 
I mean, pretty much once you've, once you've got to the point of deciding to go down the IVF pathway, you've been trying to conceive for probably at least 12 months. Yeah. yeah. Most people would be in, if not longer. And then they make that decision. And I think a lot of women think, great, I've been thinking about this for such a long time. I've been doing everything, taking all the pills changing my diet, I've done all the things and now somebody else is going to do it for me and it'll all just be fine and dandy. Mm. And I just think it couldn't be further from the truth. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a long process. It's, uh, you know, once you, once you are committed to actually going through the process, you know, you ring the clinic on day one or day one of your, your period um, and then you get the drugs and then you get the injections and then you get the scans and then you get the appointments. And it's just this ongoing process um, that can take, you know, up to two, even three months prior to your first transfer. So mm. it's certainly not a, it's not a quick process. Um, and then, you know, for most women, and this was one thing I really didn't understand that for most women, it's at least, you at least need to do three cycles before uh, there's a successful outcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like they don't really tell you that. It's kind of just, mm -mm. I don't know if it's because they don't want you to feel like down, like negative maybe. I'm not sure. Like mm. I think I feel like there's not really, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, you kind of just go into it a bit blind really and I think because a lot of people mm. don't even talk about their experience if they have had IVF. Um, they mm. don't really speak about it. So often there's not really anyone you can speak to about or well, what was it like for you or how, you know, mm. I feel like often it can be quite a lonely journey. Like I went through it with my second son after I think it was five years of trying, um, mm. which I was just thinking, calculating in my head, it's like 60 cycles or something of negative mm. pee sticks, which is pretty heartbreaking and I think um you know I just kind of went into it a bit blind kind of thinking the same as you really like mm. oh, I, you know like handing it over to the experts now like it's I don't really have to do anything but yeah it's kind of not like that is it it's no it's not like that at all and uh, even you know that we have some brilliant IVF specialists around but even they get a little bit stumped sometimes about why a process or a particular IVF protocol isn't working for an individual person. And one of the things that I would say to women is you still need to be your own health advocate in this. You still yeah. need to be, you doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to understand every drug or everything that is actually going on, but to hold your IVF specialist accountable. So if you've done cycle number five or cycle number six and they haven't changed your drug regime, then you need to be asking some questions as simple, you know, things as simple as, well, can we, can we mix it up a little bit? Can we try something new? Can we try yeah. something different? Um, you know, because there's, there's stimulated cycles, there's down reg cycles, there's flare cycles, there's all mm. sorts of different cycles that you can do. And depending on the individual person, those drug regimes need to change. You need to be doing, I mean, the, the definition of, of, um, of ignorance is basically doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. and expecting a different, different outcome. <laughs> yeah. And also so just the testing as well. Like I find yeah. some specialists are like, won't do certain tests that and it's mm. like well 
there's obviously a reason why like this this protocol you know you're giving me isn't working so let's like Mm. you know a lot of the immune type testing and things like that Mm. I find sometimes specialists they just don't want to do it and I don't really know why but what's been your experience with that with like clients and things like that that's why I think it's so good to work with a naturopath so that you can get that guidance on what to ask your specialist for Absolutely. And, and we have, again, I work some, with some really fantastic IVF specialists here that are very much in support of naturopathy and acupuncture and doing anything to actually support egg quality, blood flow, yeah. um, you know, uh, to improve the outcome. So there are some brilliant, brilliant specialists. Uh, and then, yes, you do have the sort of flip side of that where they're reluctant to do any extra testing or, you know, like natural killer cells. Some, some mm. of the specialists don't even don't believe in natural killer cells yeah. um, or, or the impact that they may have. And then, you know, some of the latest tests that, that are being looked at, the latest IVF tests are things like the ERA test, the ALICE test and the EMMA test. And not every IVF specialist will do those either. But mm. again, once you've sort of been doing six or seven or eight cycles with still no outcome, there needs to be some some changing, some, you know, um, some newness into the process to keep things moving forward. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's the same old, same old. Mm. And the um, money. And that's where, the money as well. And the money. The, stress, the money. The money. And... Yes. Mm. I think stress is huge with this because, you know, as you and I have just said, we sort of went into it going, oh, cool, somebody's going to do this for me. I can finally relax. Well, no. Yeah. (laughs) IVF, any sort of assisted reproductive technology, particularly IVF, can Mm. be incredibly stressful, Um, not only mentally, emotionally, time, financially, but just exhausting because it's kind of like it feels like, and I hate the word infertility. I, I really don't yeah. like using the word infertility. So I sort of say, you know, your fertility journey, yeah. um, never, ne- it never rests until you actually basically have that child in your arms. So mm. even when you get a big fat positive, um, we don't want just a pregnancy. We want a live birth. So yeah. um, even when you've got that big fat positive, um you still are not really going to relax until you have that baby in your arms. So it's yeah. incredibly stressful. Yeah. And one of the things I like to say to, to my patients is, you know, you can take some time off. You can have a break. You can go on a holiday. You can go and have a glass of wine. You can just switch off for a little while and give your body a break and then get back into it. Did you find that, Kate? Did you find you needed to have a break? Um, well, we actually, so one thing, and that's so many things they don't tell you surprising. So when I first had my egg collection, I was like, yes, mm. finally, like they can just do the transfer straight away. And they're like, mm. oh, no, no. I can't actually remember what they said now, but they were like, no, sorry, because you're way too, we actually got like so many eggs that you're highly kind of like dangerous to, you know, you might end up having um, like the overstimulation and it might yeah. like your hormones are so jacked up basically it probably would just reject the embryo. So you've got to wait three months mm. for your hormones for to, to calm down. down. And I was just like, what yeah. the hell? Are you serious? Like three months is like mm. hell. Like I know that doesn't sound long, but when you're going it through is. it, I was like Absolutely. three whole months, are you for real? Like yeah. and I was so upset about that. 
Um, yeah, well, that's qu- it's quarter of a year. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long time. And you know, if you could do go ahead and do any of the PGS testing, then of course, when you've got your embryo, um, it and it's going off for testing, then it needs to be frozen, and then again, you need to do a whole nother priming cycle before mm. you actually do the transfer. Yeah. Um, so it can take months before you actually get to that. Yeah. But I think having that, that three-month break, maybe it was good just to have that time of like, all right, well, you know, we're not going to be trying. Like, or maybe we were trying. I kind of remember in those three months now. But I think just that pressure was off a bit because it's like, oh, well, I guess I just have to wait, you know. But I think definitely, um, yeah, just the stress. Of it all, and especially if you're doing it a bit alone as well, like if you don't have the support of family or friends because, you know, some people, particularly older generations as well, um, things like grandparents and stuff might think the whole thing's a bit strange and why would you do that? Um, You know, some comments and things can be said by family members and that can be really stressful as well. Yes, very, very stressful. And that's where I think it's important to find to find your tribe, to find your people that um, you can feel that you can discuss it with quite freely, you mm. know, without, without judgment or um, negativity. Yeah. And I think mm. as well, like you're saying, people, we don't re- often people don't realise the process, like how long it takes, even the simple things like in the beginning, it's not like you just get the referral to the doctors done. It's like, um, you know, things like police checks, which I was actually a bit yeah. offended by that, thinking, well, any criminal can go out there and get pregnant and have a baby. <laughs> exactly. Why are you screening me, you know? Like, exactly. It feels a bit, poli- like, hurtful that, you know. Yes, yes. I think the police checks have been dropped now. That doesn't happen oh, anymore okay. now. And that was um, that was a, a couple of years ago they did drop yeah. that because it was so offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a waiting game, and I think I think that's another one of those things that they don't really tell you about IVF is the yeah. amount of time you have. You're always waiting. So, like you just said, from the moment you get the referral to see the IVF specialist, there might be a two or three month wait before you can even get in to see them. Yeah. So that's your first wait, and then it's the wait on. We've got to wait for your day one of your cycle. We've got to now wait for your ovulation. We've got to wait to trigger you. We've got to mm. wait, wait. It's always waiting. And then once you've actually got to the, we've got to wait for it to be PGS tested. We've got to wait for yeah. it to, the embryos to defrost now. And now once we've done the transfer, we have to wait two weeks, the infamous two-week wait mm. to see if you're actually pregnant or not. So yeah. I think the waiting is exhausting for women it's, yeah. or, or for not even for couples, for, for anyone who's going through this. Yeah. Um, it's just exhausting. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very long process. I think um, one of the other things that I think they don't actually tell you about IVF, the, some of those little things, is all the acronyms. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. learning all the acronyms of what does that mean and when you and, first join the... like I don't know if you're in the <laughs> Facebook group you know there's all the f- Facebook groups for IVF and they're mm. telling us so, oh and you're like what on oh, no, is this like another language in this group you know like all these different acronyms you're like what does that mean you're like googling what does that mean mm. and it, that that can be um a little bit alienating when you don't know what a BCP is or a <laughs> BFN is or, yeah. or a BFP yeah you know, it's like well yeah, so it's um, 
learning the acronyms I think is really important. It kind of keeps you in the loop a little bit. Yeah. Um, and keeps you on top. Yeah. 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 I think, I think um, <clears throat> mm, sorry, Kate. You sorry, go. you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say um, the, the number of appointments as well. I think mm. people don't really understand the number of appointments, the number of scans, the blood procedures, tests. the blood tests. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the drugs, the amount of drugs, the drug regime, and yeah. then you put on top of that, <clears throat> if someone's seeing a naturopath or a, an acupuncturist as well, then there's all your acupuncture appointments, you know, yeah. one a week for. It's almost like a full time job, really. Full time job. Yeah. Yeah. And then your nutrients on top of that. And then yeah. it's, it's just, um, I think people have to be mindful that, that there's a lot that actually happens and a lot that goes on mm. um, with the IVF process. And it's not to turn, you know, anyone listening who is wanting to, it's not to turn you off because it's totally worth it. In Definitely not. It works, but totally. I think just going into it knowing like it's not a quick fix, it's actually something That's that requires right. a lot of your time and energy and money and I think just being mentally prepared for that so you're not disheartened or Definitely. Shocked. That's right. It's definitely not to turn anyone off. It is a beautiful, it's as it's as, as a natural way of conceiving as any other way. It's funny mm. when people say to me, because I had my second child obviously when I was 46, yeah. and people would say to me, did you conceive naturally? And it's like, what are you asking me? Did I roll around in the sack and <laughs> have sex to get pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, one of the things that, because I ended up using donor eggs as well as IVF, yeah. and for me it, one of those things was, well, this is my natural. And yeah. I think... As you go into an IVF process, again, things that you just don't know about is the language and, and how you speak to yourself and how mm. you think about it. And for me, I just went, you know what? I never thought I would end up in this position, but I'm here for a reason and this has become my natural, my yeah. normal. This is I how love, I'm I creating. I your attitude mm. about it and how you say that because everyone's journey is so different, you know, like I never mm. thought that I would do IVF and I'd have like a six-year gap between my kids. I always just thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to have two kids. They're going to be two years apart, just the same as me and yep. my brother. And then it's like, yep. well, no, actually, that's not mm. that's not the way it's <laughs> going to happen for you. And I guess you just have to, I don't know, like you can't really do anything about it. Like your journey no. is your journey and you can mm. fight it if you want to, but in the end. You know, it's not worth it's 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 kind of worth loving every part of that journey because there's something in it for you. And mm. and I think for a lot of people, they probably wouldn't expect that, you know, two naturopaths might have had issues conceiving, particularly yeah. when you, you and I both work in women's health. So I, I hope it's quite um, comforting for women to sort of think, well, it's nothing it may not necessarily be anything that I'm doing wrong. It just yeah. is one of those things and it may be unexplained. Yeah. Um, and let's just, you know, move forward with it and mm. get them their dream baby and create their unique family. And that's you know, the thing however I think, that looks. Yeah, because I remember I, I didn't really tell anyone because I remember I, I really had this issue with feeling judged by people like well you're a naturopath you must be a shit naturopath mm. if you have to do IVF exactly. you know and I really exactly. had this thing about that and mm. I mean mm. maybe I do a little bit still deep down but it's like you and I know <laughs> how exactly. we did everything like I saw we did like everything. so many like the best of the best acupuncturists naturopaths yep 
years, yep. thousands of dollars, did everything and it just it didn't work. And mm. I remember crying one day to one of my friends who was a um, Chinese medicine practitioner and just saying, like, I feel like how come I can help all these other women get pregnant exactly. but I can't help myself, you know, like I feel exactly. like a fraud. And I say I feel oh, like Kate, a crack practitioner, you know. That that's exactly those exact thoughts. Mm. How can I get everybody else pregnant? Yeah, it's almost like a cruel joke, mm. you know, and her response mm. like really floored me because she turned around and she said, you know, you're not a shit practitioner. Part of being a, a great practitioner is knowing when to refer. <laughs> and I started crying exactly. even more and I was like, yes. you know what, you're right. Like you're totally that's, right. Mm. It's knowing when to refer but also I think it gives – it gives um, credibility to what we're doing as well. You know, when we, it, it, we're, we're just humans and I, I want that to, to offer really beautiful comfort for women to go, you know what, I'm not actually doing anything wrong because it, it, it's not something that I've done wrong or that I'm not doing that I should be doing. This happens for anyone in mm. like infertility doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. Yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't know that you're a naturopath and you might be doing everything beautiful, but you're just missing something and you just need that extra support. And that goes yeah. for absolutely anyone yeah. who is trying to conceive um, and it's not quite happening. And, and honestly, if you, if you've been trying for, for 12 months, it's, it's really start time to start thinking about doing it differently mm. and, um, and getting the ball rolling, even if getting you don't the ball end up rolling, doing it. like you may not do it, like you might get pregnant in that time, but just get the ball rolling because it takes time, as we said. And I think the other thing is that what people don't tell you about it is that it's not just black and white. Like I either do IVF or I, I do it natural, or I either take mm. herbs and supplements or I take the medication. It's like no, you can do both. Like you know, you like you and it, I that's right. both for our own self and for our clients, like we support with herbs and, and supplements and doing all the testing, making sure all the, you know, the nutrient levels are optimal, the thyroid's optimal. Like there's so much work yeah. actually that goes into like into using complementary medicine to support the outcome mm. of IVF. It's not just one or the other. That's exactly right. And that's why it's also, it's really nice to have an IVF specialist that is really willing to work with your naturopath or your acupuncturist or your other um, integrative or complementary um, medicine practitioner, whoever that is. Mm. And, and you get to choose as you're going into this, if you're not happy with, with the, with who you have chosen you, the other thing, or one other thing that I think um, people don't, Aren't, aren't told about IVF is that you don't have to be loyal to your IVF specialist. You yeah. can change. Yeah. You can get a second opinion. You can try different things. And you most certainly, as you've just said, you can combine the drugs and the nutrients and the herbs and the acupuncture mm. and the osteopathy and the chiropractic, whatever you want. It, you can do all of it together. It does not have to be a choice between one or the other and you can also keep trying naturally too yeah having having yeah (laughs) yeah well my son my eldest son's nine now and he's you know he's starting to ask me all those questions about babies and he was asking you know how they're made and I was kind of like well I guess I should tell you know tell him the old you know like the way he was made and then tell him the way his brother was made because maybe that's a conversation we need to start having with our kids now is 
actually there's more ways than one way, you know, to get pregnant. And And I told him and then he was like, oh, you know, the way he was created is gross. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was he was um, a natural conception, yeah. wasn't he? As in, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing that you're not told is that just because your first is a a natural, and I say natural in inverted commas, that yeah. you know having sex to conceive, yeah. um, doesn't actually mean that you won't need IVF for your second. So there's yeah. that secondary um infertility yeah. uh, that can that can happen as well yeah. and yes normalizing the conversation you know my my two kids were both donor eggs and mm-hmm. they're both uh, different donors and obviously that means a very very enormous IVF process that we, mm. we went through and I have spoken to both of I talk about it quite openly in front of both of my kids and Charlie asked me he's seven now but he asked me about it when he was um, about six, I think he was. And I told him how he was created. Yeah. And he, he said to me, um, he calls me Minda. He's always called me Minda. And he said, Minda, that's <laughs> such a beautiful way that it took three of you to Aww, make me. That's sweet. <laughs> so that was really sweet. And I think yeah. no matter how it happens, you know, talk about it. Yeah. It, it's, it, because secrecy secrecy implies shame I think yeah you know and it's it's there's no shame in this yeah shame means you don't shame yourself you haven't done anything wrong you haven't you haven't missed it it's just you just need some support for Mm. whatever reason and I love that you Mm. are so like loud and proud about your experience because you're you're proud of you know your children and what it took to Mm. create them and it doesn't make you or them any less than any other kid that was you know, a surprise pregnancy or anything, like it doesn't no. take away from the experience. And I think, yeah, I just think normalising it because, everyone, as we said, everyone's journey is different and every child is still equally loved and wanted and it doesn't really matter, like, if it took a lot longer of a process to create them compared to maybe another child. Mm. Or you the know. amount of money, yeah. <laughs> the length of time. Yeah. Or the amount. It's it's all worth it in the end. There's yeah. there's just no no denying that it's yeah. you know that it's all worth it. The other the other really quick thing I wanted to say, Kate, was the the role of the male in in this in terms of whether it's a sperm donor or, or um, you know obviously we need sperm so we need a male to be part of this somewhere Mm. Um, but just the importance no one tells you um, the importance of the male sperm in this you know it's not just all about the female it's also you know we need to have good we're trying to make it a super embryo we need a super egg and super sperm I think yes is one of those other things that is often overlooked and often it's a male factor fertility issue yeah Um, but women often kind of feel like they're it's all on them you know absolutely um but but having a conversation around that as well and getting I think for me I like to get the male or or the sperm donor whoever it is very much involved so that it's it's not all on the female to do it all and to be um doing all the tests and the scans and the Mm. the whole process by herself yeah um yeah I think yeah I agree I definitely think um yeah making it making it that it's 
it's such an involved thing between the two people or if there's more people involved, you know, if there's mm. a need to use donor sperm and eggs, which I think is another thing that isn't really spoken about much and that's why I really like that you have your donor project where you help educate people on how because you help people find donors as well, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so we I can help them find a donor, uh, or I can I can point them in the direction, and we can I can help them make some decisions about the best way to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm not physically finding the donor; I'm directing them to particular countries or particular IVF specialists, mm. or, or what I think is the most appropriate for them. So in that sense, yes, I'm helping them find their donor. Um, but then but again, just preparing them, making sure they are baby ready, that their their body is baby ready, whether it's using their own eggs, somebody else's eggs, donor yeah. sperm, no matter what, IVF does not guarantee an outcome by itself. It doesn't, it doesn't prevent um, early pregnancy losses. Mm. Um, so there's still all of that um, preconception preparation time um, to make everybody, no matter how many people are involved, but to prepare everybody for the process to try to to um, encourage a, a successful outcome much more quickly than having yeah. to do three or five or six or seven. I remember my very, very first IVF patient, she'd done 18 rounds. Wow. 18 rounds of IVF. And that was, shit, that would have been 25 years ago. Yeah. And that would have been so expensive back then as well. So expensive. Yeah. So expensive. That's the thing as well, because you yeah, see, like, often I get, probably same as you you know you get clients and they've had several cycles mm. unsuccessful cycles and you know you start the basic and you're like all right let's run some blood tests and stuff and you get them back and it's like oh my god you know like your vitamin d is awful it's like you've been mm. living in a cave and it's like exactly. your thyroid you're this and it's just like you know like you really need to get the foundation sorted otherwise mm. you're really just kind of shooting yourself in the foot before you even started Absolutely. And, and you know, if vitamin D is low, then ovarian activity is low and AMH mm. is low and, and that's, you're already on the back foot. Yeah. And if, if, we can, if we can get women or couples or men or, or whoever it is into a, a, a much healthier situation coming into their first round, then we have such a higher success rate, you know, and thyroid. Thyroid is one of those things that's just not tested enough or MTHFR. So there's all of these functional tests that you and I can be um, getting people to do, um, you know, before we even start with the the heavy duty drugs, the hormonal drugs, we can do so much work, um, in that, you know, when they do make the decision, they have the appointment with their, their doctor to say, okay, can you refer me to whichever IVF specialist? You've got a three-month wait. In that three-month wait, that's the perfect time to see someone like you or I, Kate, to, yeah. to get them, you know, to get them ready. To get yeah. them. And there's so much we can do. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good line of work. It's a fun line of work. Yeah, it's like you're a detective every day. It's like everyone's yes, so different absolutely. as well, you know, like there's mm. every case is different. It's like mm. but I just think, mm. yeah, I just really love I just think it needs to be spoken about more and more education around it because, you know, we're the 
rates of IVF are climbing, you know, more and more babies every year being born to IVF. I don't, do you know the statistics around I that? I do, actually, yes. There was, <laughs> that doesn't um, surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2018, and it's the latest sort of data that um, is available at the moment, there were 14,335 babies born through IVF in wow. Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So okay. that, that's a lot, 14,000, yeah. 14,500, that's a lot. And that's of the actual babies born. Yeah. Um, and given that, you know, the, the success rate for a live birth, depending on the age, is anywhere between, you know, again, if you're, if you're in your 40s, you've got an 8% chance of success compared with if you're in your 30s, it's closer to a 50, 60 or 70% chance mm. of success. So given the success rate... That's a lot of other women that have attempted IVF or a lot of other cycles that have been attempted without success. So what I'm saying there is a lot of people are going Mm. through IVF um, technologies. Mm. Yeah. And Mm. I think it's just the changing times, you know, like there's so many, I guess we're still learning like why is the need for, has the need for IVF maybe always been there but there was just never the option and, you know, because there Mm. are a lot of people in there, you know, 60s 70s 80s that never had children because they couldn't conceive and there was not an option there was no other option for IVF so maybe the need actually has always been there it's just now we actually have the facility that's right and that yes and that the technology to do it yes and that's that's what's so such a beautiful thing about it um it's funny my when I was much much younger my um we I have three siblings and I remember we sat around the Christmas table one day talking about um, IVF when it was, re- I mean, IVF has been around for 50 years, but yeah. it was kind of, you know, it was considered relatively new. And so this must have been, I don't know, 30 years ago, we were having this conversation and um, I sat there and said, I will never do IVF. I won't need <laughs> IVF. You know, that's, <laughs> that's playing around with genetics and it's playing yeah. around with what's supposed to be happening. And, yeah. and wow, how, how, how times have changed and how wrong, mm. how wrong um, was I in, in terms of, you know, that was the level of understanding that I had back then, yeah. which was zilch, yeah. <laughs> no understanding about it at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think the fact that this is possible is just amazing because without it, I wouldn't have my family, yeah. you know, my sister wouldn't have one of her children and, it's it's an incredible thing that that um, that we're able to do, um, and the first donor egg IVF baby was actually in Australia as well. Oh really? I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The first very first donor egg conception was in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so you know, as much as sometimes we think Australia is a little bit backward, we're quite quite <laughs> progressive in this. <laughs> yeah. And now as well, they have another thing. So we could even do a part two on this because there's so many things they don't tell you is mm. that there actually are options now like bulk billing IVF clinics in Australia, mm. which have not been around very long, I think only maybe five years. Mm, um, and right. I know they are quite strict though on their criteria. Like you have to, I don't think you can use donor eggs, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you have to fit into like, like you can't do, um, I think they don't do um, if there's any issues with the sperm. Like mm. I don't think they do. Mm. It's very like 
you know, you have to fit a certain criteria. Certain but, criteria. Yeah, yeah, but it does give you hope that you hope, well, maybe down the track, like all clinics will have, you know, maybe there will be more rebates and some financial support for couples going through it. Mm-mm. I, I think there probably will be um, because even in the time, you know, since I did my very first round of IVF using my own eggs, um, compared with now, the, the, the prices have, have dropped significantly yeah. and there's much, much more help and much more support. Um, yeah, and, you know, IVF clinics want there to be success. Mm. Right? They, want, they want success because that improves their outcomes and their credibility as a clinic. Yeah. So they're always trying to get um, the success rates up as yeah. well and that's sometimes why there is specific criteria particularly if it's yeah know, that's a good point system yeah mm. yeah mm. well thank so you as much you're so welcome <laughs> thank you so much for um coming on do you want to share your um instagram and your website for people to go and check out your Absolutely. work because so it's my- amazing Oh, thank you, Kate. My Instagram is at mirandamiles.modernmedicine. Uh, that's also my Facebook. And then my website is www.mirandamiles.com.au and it's miles with a Y. With a Y. So M-I-R-A-N-D-A-M-Y-L-E-S. Yeah. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. You're so welcome, Kate. <laughs> lovely to chat. Bye. Bye, lovely. Bye.